Eco, how you doing, my man? I'm good. How are you doing? Dude, uh, fantastic. It was great to see you in person last week and then finally get this crazy idea that we've been talking through for a few weeks now. Um, finally to create it. So uh, I could not be more excited. Likewise. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. And I think the timing is good because I've gone through some transitions in the way I'm working and in my personal life and the hash cast had to be retired. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to doing a new iteration and, you know, keeping my finger on the pulse when it comes to the mining industry and presenting that information to everybody to learn from. Dude. And I think you nailed it with the word iteration. And I want to just say, uh, I'm so thankful that you even like entertain this crazy idea to include me. So first and foremost, thank you for that. Hashcast was like the, for me personally, was the source of Bitcoin mining info every epoch that I was just like, and when I was going on Bitcoin TV, I saw you pop up. I'm like, okay, prioritize this in the queue of information signal that I wanted to, uh, to, to take in. Um, and that's what I hope we can do together. And by the way, it's just doing a, the Builders in Bitcoin podcast, you know, the solo where I interview uh, folks. It's a lot more fun having a weekly kind of show with somebody, especially a friend, um, who's especially as well-versed as you are. So I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I do too. I'm looking forward to it. And so we mentioned like the Hashcast uh, as if so for those that have not listened to the Hashcast or don't doesn't know uh, much about it, uh, Eco did a great job of breaking down uh, his uh uh, podcast into a few buckets. So there was a state of the network, there was news, there was industry development, uh, developments. There was a couple other really cool things like a home, a home, what was it? The home miner of the month, uh, the, the home miner hall of fame. That's I, right. I would highlight like interesting home miner projects that I would find on Twitter and, and then, uh, and then, yeah, and I would always include like privacy implications at the end. And for a few episodes, I was trying to get guests scheduled and, uh, you know, bring on interesting guests to talk about their Bitcoin mining projects. And, you know, and, and I was also trying to like time the episodes in sync with the epochs just to like bring awareness to kind of that like heartbeat of the network. So everyone would know like when the hash cast was coming out, like, okay, there yep. was a difficulty adjustment that just happened and, you know, just kind of bring awareness about what that means and the timing of everything. And yeah, I love that. And, and the, the other thing around that is, um, we'll, we'll have, this show will be about like 30 minutes to 60 minutes, uh, every week, Thursdays we plan to record. And to your point around bringing on guests, I think having that cadence and then, some news or industry developments that we are, uh, we can tap into some of our the folks that we know to lend their expertise. I think will be uh, refreshing for uh, people that are listening into this pod. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be awesome to have those insights. Totally. I mean, and not and to go right into like last week before we go into the state of the network, we uh, hosted uh, the Nashville Energy and Mining Summit here at Bitcoin Park. And we had approximately 150 attendees comprised of investors, policymakers, energy producers, 
and then full spectrum mining operators and service providers. Uh, Eco, you were very kind to come in town. Uh, Harry Sudock, uh, Troy Cross, um, and then a number of other folks that are just like just amazing people that across the entire um, mining industry were in attendance. I don't know if you wanted to share some thoughts. Uh, I mean, I have a number of thoughts, but like, what was your experience uh, after attending that summit? Yeah, dude, I'm so glad I was able to make it out there. Um, for a long time, it was looking like I wasn't going to be able to, but I'm glad it, that it all worked out. Um, and honestly, like, you know, if, if we kind of take a step back and look at like the mining landscape and what's been going on in Bitcoin for the last few months, like a lot of people are are in pretty bad shape right now. And you know, mining is not as hot of a topic as it once was. At least I didn't think it was. But I was overwhelmed by, you know, the turnout, the interest, the engagement, the focus from people, and just like the people you had hand-selected for those panels. I mean, just some of the most like talented, intelligent individuals in the space. And it was just it was amazing to be able to just sit back and, and listen to them talk and riff and joke with each other. And then like all the side conversations in between panels, it was just great networking opportunity. And, um, I loved everything about it and it really kind of like reminded me that, that miners are the most bullish people on Bitcoin. And, and I think having that many bullish people, in one place at one time uh, is what caused the next bull run, which <laughs> happened to occur during the mining summit. So, uh, I mean, I'm joking, but but really, I, I I am just really glad that I was able to be a part of it, and I and I appreciate you roping me in and and persistently encouraging me to participate. So, thank you. No, dude, thank you, man, and. Uh, uh, we're going to tease the, or not tease. We're going to uh, share the entire, um, uh, agenda with, um, uh, folks on the Bitcoin park, Twitter handle at some point today. And, uh, just to jump like your home mining panel, like one of the things that we wanted to do, Matt and I, with the summit idea was to have open and honest conversations with folks that you may not have, uh, or typically meet. And also hear from people that are in the trenches and hear from their experiences. And I'll say this, the home mining panel with you and John from FutureBit. And then when Neil showed up, uh, Neil, I'm still, uh, we still need to talk about that, um, was just awesome. Like you leaned back and said, yeah, man, here's what you need to do. I, mean, I don't know if you want to just share a couple of insights from that panel on, on some of the learnings that like again, like not only dirt underneath your fingernails from home mining, but like truly scars that you don't, you probably don't want anyone else to, to experience. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm trying to stay humble and, you know, open and vulnerable about what I've done and, you know, what's worked and what hasn't worked. You know, I don't, I don't want to blow smoke up anyone's ass and tell them like, yeah, just buy a miner and, and yep. earn Bitcoin that way. And everything's going to be fine. Cause that's not always the case. You know, there's a lot of variables and it can get really complicated really fast. And, you know, I was, I was relieved to be 
reminded by Odell during that panel that, you know, he went back and listened to Citadel Dispatch episode 31 with Diverter, Ronan Miner, and myself. And he went back and listened to it and said, yeah, all of us said multiple times, start small. And I, and I'm glad that, that I was reminded of that because, you know, that's where I made my first mistake was, was not taking my own advice and not, not staying with a small operation. Um, you know, so I was, I was happy to just, you know, talk about some mistakes that I made and, and share that with everybody. Totally. And that's one area when people are like, Hey, get in, you should get into Bitcoin mining and so on. Uh, shout out to Nick at Kaboom Racks. They are so kind. They sent us a, a, a couple S nines. I was like Oprah giving up, giving away S nines at the at the S Summit, which S9s was pretty for cool. everybody. Uh, you get an S nine. <laughs> you get an S nine. But but uh, what was really, I think, what's really cool for people that are like, hey, I want to get into Bitcoin mining, Rod. What should I do? Be like, hey, go buy. It. Here's two, I don't even know how much an S nine costs nowadays. Probably like ten bucks, but. Like, hey, go buy an S9, go plug it into your wall, hear how loud it is, feel the heat, point it to a, a, a mining pool, okay, turn it off, open up the 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 uh, miner, play around with it, ask questions around why is this plug going this way, why is the, you know, PSU, um, you know, separate on the... Uh, uh, S nine, like all these like little things. Um, actually I haven't played around with enough. Yeah. They have the separate PSU. Mm-hmm. Um, and like go from there. I mean that in a way that was like my best experience, like a couple years getting, uh, ago getting back into Bitcoin mining fully was when Adam O sent me an S nine and I played around with it and I was like, all right, I actually really want to dig into this whole world is because Again, still surface level understanding and still to this day, um, but it made me more aware of all the things that go into a Bitcoin mining operation. Yeah. It, once you get your hands on it and you you hear it and you feel the heat, like then, you, you know, you start to understand what everybody meant that you were like reading about. And you can you can read a million different articles and perspectives from people, but until you get your hands on it and experience it yourself, you don't you know, really understand what that means. And, you know, especially from like the home miner perspective, then thinking about like integrating that into your living space. And especially if you've got like wife, children, you know, <laughs> roommates, whatever your living situation is like, then you really start to understand that you're dealing with industrial grade equipment that's made for a warehouse environment and that a living environment is much different. And so and I think that's why you see so much creativity in the home mining space, because these people are like, you know, taking something that wasn't meant for the home and they're putting it in their home and they're they're making it work. They're making them quieter. They're making that heat part of their like home's heating system. And and then they're spending money on the electricity, but then they're getting heat and they're getting Bitcoin back for it. And it's money they would have spent on energy costs anyways. So, man, it's just. I, I just don't think uh, it's ever going to go back to the yeah. way it was like toward the end of 2020 when I was getting into Bitcoin mining. Cause at that time, like everybody was like, don't try mining at home. 
you're going to get wrecked. You're, you're better off spending your money at an exchange. You can't compete with the large scale miners. And diverter was the only one who was saying otherwise. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't think we're ever going to go back to the way it was in like 2020, the end of 2020. I couldn't agree more. And the last point, and then we'll jump into the state of the network, which is, you know, it hit me. We're such a good balance. Like you are in the trenches on the whole mining side. And then like, kind of like as a, small business operation as you grew your mining operation where I've been like in this next tier up and like investing in like maybe more bigger like operations as well as my doing my own home mining stuff, but not as much of a concentration, but going into that one to 10 to potentially higher megawatt uh, uh, operation. So it'll be good from a public versus private from a, a small scale, large scale, uh, the do's and don'ts as we, as we do this every week, eco. Yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. So do you want to start with the, the state of the network and, uh, we can just jump right into it. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, looking at BitRAR's difficulty estimator, uh, last Sunday there was a 10% increase in difficulties. And so if you're, if you've been mining through that, basically that means you're going to be making roughly 10% less in mining rewards because now it is that much more difficult. So um, the difficulty jumped from 34 trillion to 37.5 trillion. And right now we are in epoch number 383. And of the expected 554 blocks, the Bitcoin network has mined 570 blocks. So it is 15 blocks ahead and what that means at this point in the epoch is that they're guessing that there's going to be another difficulty increase so it looks like you know the way i understand would interpret this is like price of bitcoin went up um, yep. there's been a lot of miners that were just like hanging on or who had to shut off or scale down their operations or turn down their efficiency just to or sorry, turn down their power consumption uh, so that they could survive or hang on a little bit longer. And then as that price made that jump up back into the $20,000 range, suddenly uh, all those people who are kind of on the sidelines are plugging back in, turning back on, turning their hash rate back up. They're consuming more power. Um, so that's kind of why I think the, the, the hash rate is going up as much as it is. I, I do think this one's price related. Yeah, uh, I agree. And and the weather for the last like couple of weeks, I think everyone's kind of getting back in uh, back on, on online in that regard. Uh, the other thing I think in general, I think we're going to see a slowdown in terms of capital expenditure on me more mega sites. I think the reinvestment are going to be in these distressed opportunities like the cores and the other opportunities to replenish existing mining fleets. So yeah, we may see an uptick or we should, we will see in my opinion, an uptick in total hash rate. I don't, I'm not in the camp and this is my opinion, do your own research. I'm not in the camp that we're going to see, you know, uh, another hundred, hundred megawatt sites continuously getting built quarter over quarter or, or year over year. Um, that's just my, my, my perspective on that. Yeah. And I, I think it's going to be much more difficult for um, mining businesses to get the funding, you know, to get the loans to 
to to invest in that kind of infrastructure, right? Because so many, you know, I think there's a lot of lessons that have been learned about like using ASICs as your loan collateral and then, you know, the bottom falling out on ASIC prices and the price of Bitcoin plummeting, like, you know, that screwed up a lot of loans and finance totally. deals that people had. And I think, I think the people who are making the loans are going to be a little bit more cautious and they're going to have learned some lessons from the last few months. And I think going forward, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to get financing. Yeah. And to, to close on this point, which is like, I think the leverage is now into the, uh, uh, the financiers ha uh, hands, uh, or on their plate in the sense that they could be asking for a lot of things in terms of extending that credit line. Hey, your first, you know, like 80% of your rewards are going to come directly to us. Like, or you're going to have to put up, you know, X, Y, and Z in order to get, uh, this debt to income ratio, uh, on the, on the, on the loan. Um, so those that have cash are going and, uh, are in a very stable and low debt environment are going to absolutely crush it. Absolutely crush it. Um, and I'm excited to see what, who those folks are. Um, cool. So the next one, you want to jump into, uh, mempool.space, our friends, our friend Wiz's, uh, mempool. Yeah. Let me pull up the mining tab here. So. We're going to take a look at, so what I'm looking at right now is a chart with the 14 day moving average hash rate, as well as the daily average hash rate. And then the uh, line in pink is the difficulty adjustment. So just for anyone who's new to this chart, like I usually kind of disregard the, the daily hash rate average because like, it's just so whippy that it's, it's difficult to get, you know, a, an actual reading on what's going on and and just for anyone who doesn't know like the any hash rate chart you're looking at like there's no data point in the bitcoin network that says this is exactly how much hash rate is online so any hash rate chart you're looking at is just making a best guess as to how much hash rate should be online based on the time between Bitcoin blocks. So based on how difficult it is to mine a block, what that difficulty number is and how long it's taking and how fast these blocks are coming in, then there should be roughly this much hash rate online. So that's the chart you're seeing. And so like when you look at like the, the daily charts, like you'll see it like fall all the way down to like, 175 exahash and then the next day it jumps up to like 300 exahash it's just way too whippy to be reliable so that's why i like looking at things over like a 14 day moving average and it just kind of smooths all that out but yeah i mean if we go back to like just the end of december like december 28th on the 14 day moving average hash rate was about 233 exahash and if we fast forward to today january 8 19th um the chart hasn't filled in the 19th yet but as of the 18th it was 270 exahash on the 14 day moving average and so when you see a, a radical change in estimated hash rate like that to the upside that's why you see the difficulty adjustment go from 34 trillion and then up 10 percent to 37.5 trillion like it did on this last adjustment so that's how you kind of look at that chart and man i've for the last year doing the hash cast, I would always try and predict like what hash rate was <laughs> going to do next. And I would get it wrong every single time. So, um, 
I don't know. It's a fool's errand. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, man, I never thought, I thought we were going to end 2022, uh, closer to like 200 exahash. And really, yeah, we ended 2022 at 240 exahash. Uh, you know, I mean, what's that? Uh, twenty percent off, but like, still, I think like plus or minus twenty percent is still like somewhat decent, um, even though it's a still a big number. By the way, real quick, I want to, dude, slush pool, um, got. Yeah, I was just looking at latest blocks, and it just looks like they had some bad luck over the last uh, couple weeks. Um, oh, they may have. I just do not see them popping up. Which poor guys. Well, rock and roll. Uh, appreciate that insight uh, there. Let's just jump into one thing: uh, the ASIC prices. And like, as you're pulling that up, Eco, I just wanted to tee this up as, as someone who's looking to make a mining investment, whether you're solo uh, home mining to doing a full-on uh, industrial, like 10 megawatt plus, 100 megawatt, whatever that may be. Your capital expenditure into your entry point and the capex you spent in a operation is mission freaking critical. It's kind of like, you know, I bought that house for $10 million. Oh, now my house is worth $100,000. Oh my God, what am I thinking? Uh, And my two sets is like, as long as you have good unit economics around your uh, uh, energy, all in, all, all, all in energy cost, that can then, you know, based on a lot of assumptions, not just price going up and uh, total exash going down, if you're doing that assumption, you're going to get wrecked. Yeah. It's uh, just making those very, very conservative uh, estimates and then uh, placing your uh, bet or AKA investment uh, into uh, the ASIC entry point. Yeah. And I think, I think it's a good idea for, well, and speaking from the, from the like micro scale home miner perspective, I would encourage people to think about things in Bitcoin terms Cause like when the Chinese mi- mining ban happened in what was that June of 2021? Um, I thought that was like a really good buying opportunity and I didn't want to take out like any loans or have any debt. So I used Bitcoin to buy a petahash worth of ASICs yeah. during that dip. And I realistically, I will probably never ever get that much Bitcoin back out of these ASICs at this point. <clears throat> and so I think there's like a certain opportunity cost there um, that you you should be realistic about. Like if you're going to um, buy these ASICs, are you going to be able to make that Bitcoin back? And, you know, understand that a, a lot of people in the world want to be mining Bitcoin. And so the, the, the pressure to increase hash rate is always going to be there. Yeah, one of the things I do is so uh, a couple of friends and family have given me, uh, I've created a couple of vehicles to invest in uh, some mining operations. And first and foremost, I say, okay, so the day they sent me, like, let's say $1, I take that $1 and I, uh, I create an email and a screenshot of if you invested this $1 in Bitcoin, this is how much Bitcoin you would have. That's our benchmark. Forget like the, I mean, the dollar amount is what I know you care about and so on. Don't get me wrong. But if the, the, Bitcoin rips, you know, you'll think I'm a genius, but it really doesn't, that's not the case because the, let's say 0.1 Bitcoin that you would have otherwise bought. And if I'm giving you 0.01 back for the same dollar amount, that's not really a win because you could have just bought Bitcoin. Right. Um, 
And the game of the, the this game is a very low time preference, you know, way of accumulating more Bitcoin than you would otherwise use to spot buy Bitcoin. Very difficult to do, by the way. It is very difficult with all the other um, uh, variables in place. But um, I think for those that are uh, equipped to do it, um, which we'll get into the ASIC prices, which is one of the big variables. Yeah, I mean, if you've got like really good energy rates, then, you know, basically the, the from the home miners perspective, what you're going to do is take any discretionary income that you've got. Say you can afford to pay $300 a month in electricity to run a bunch of uh, ASIC or two, then you're going to be paying your electric bill with your fiat yep. income and then getting Bitcoin back on on the back end of that. And if your energy rates are low enough, then for the $300 you're spending on Bitcoin, I don't know what that would get you today. Say, say it would get you like a million sats. You know, maybe if your energy rates are low enough, you can run enough terahash that you're actually going to be mining like 1.5 million sats for that $300 yep. spent on electricity. And so that's where you kind of want to find yourself if, if you're thinking about home mining. But if you've got a high electricity rate, then at, at a certain point, you're going to be spending more money on electricity and getting fewer sats back from mining rewards than you could have buying Bitcoin with that money somewhere else. And um, yeah, there's other benefits like you're you're participating in the network. Um, you're running your own miner like you yeah, but the you know the the main the, the main point is to get Bitcoin, right? So the main point is to get Bitcoin, but I think to your point, especially on the home mining aspect, there's all these additional potential benefits, right? That like you're just repurposing, like heating your home, cool, uh, heating your pool, uh, having a jacuzzi. I mean, all I cannot wait for the human ingenuity around home uh, Bitcoin home miners, which we're already seeing today. There's going to be all these other extra products that people are going to build. And hey, do you want a washer dryer that also mines Bitcoin? Do you want a XYZ pool heater that also mines Bitcoin? Uh, yeah, I do actually. Um, we'll yeah, see if, where, where it goes. I think the energy cost is where home miners are really getting an edge. They're they're taking money they would have spent on heating their home and they're spending it on electricity to run an ASIC and getting Bitcoin for that and capturing the heat by ducting it into their HVAC or, yep. you know, maybe they're doing an immersion system or something, but there's a lot of clever solutions coming up where people are, are basically getting multiple benefits for each dollar that they spend on that electricity. And so, so yeah, ASICs that are, um, at very by the way, Eco, this is what I call the cry chart because I was buying ASICs <laughs> all the way at, you know, April, 2022, May, June, I was DCAing all the way down to where we are today. But yeah. anyways, I digress. Go ahead. So yeah, this is the hash rate index from Luxor. And this monitors how much ASICs are selling for. And like Rod was saying, it's just been a steady decline as hash rate has continued to increase and the price of Bitcoin has continued to decrease. And so ASICs that have very low efficiency, like uh, worse than 68 joules per terahash are selling for about four dollars and 72 cents uh, a terahash right now. So that's the category yeah. that the S9 would fall into. 
So if you did like 13 terahash times 4.72, that's about what you'd pay for an S9 right now. Um, more efficient ASICs up to like 38 joules of terahash are selling for about $9.90. And then the more efficient ASICs, 38 joules per terahash or better, are selling for about $14.04 per terahash. And so uh, if you look at that, you can also look at this chart in Bitcoin terms with that tab there. And so you can you can see that's a little bit more volatile in Bitcoin terms, but it has been, you know, trending down and to the right. So yep. um, this is the one where you want to look at this and say, okay, based on the, if you're thinking about getting into mining, like based on my ASICs efficiency, um, this one is going to cost, you know, 83,193 sats. So that would be like your what's minor M30S plus plus 110 terahash model. So you would take your 83,193 sats, multiply that by 110. That's what it's going to cost you. And then you want to think about how much is this going to earn in rewards on average and how many days is it going to take me to earn that much Bitcoin back? And I think last time I looked at these numbers, it's been a couple of weeks, but you know, if I sat down and did the math, it's probably going to come out to somewhere around 300 days to earn that much Bitcoin back based on today's metrics but then you got to think you know and this is where your personal opinion on bitcoin comes into play like are you super bullish on bitcoin are you bearish do you think the price is going to go up do you think the hash rate's going to go down like what do you think is going to happen and you know i think it's a safe assumption to think you know the price probably isn't going to go as high as you think it is and hash rate's not going to stay as low as you think it is yep um, I look at it as like four quadrants always ego and then uh, and then always be conservative about the, the each one of those quadrants. First quadrant is like the unicorn quadrant, which is Bitcoin price rips, total X hash drops. Everyone and their mom is like, give me that S9, plug it in. Wifey, I don't care about the no- <laughs> like what you say yeah, about the noise. The, we're, we're mining Bitcoin right now. And the, the Chinese mining ban was that unicorn. Totally. Yeah. I, I want to pull it up on how much I, because I think we just did the price. You said 13, uh, 13, uh, 13 terahash and then $4.72 is like 60 bucks for a S9 right now. Sounds I think I right. spent like 500 fucking dollars <laughs> on a freaking S9 uh, at the top, but I digress. Um, and so we have that the unicorn uh, quadrant. Then we have the quadrant, uh, the two quadrants, which are somewhat identical, which is uh, total exahash increases in unison to the, the percentage-wise with the total price of Bitcoin. And then on the other quadrant is the total exahash decreases in unison percentage-wise with the uh, total exahash. Then we have the baddie quadrant, which no one really likes to plan for or actually uh, most of folks didn't even plan for for sure which is total exahash rips price plummets and it's like no that can't happen right guys like we can't see like total exahash go up 40 50 percent and then the price drop like 60 70 percent no way like all our models would be effed up like my brain's mining calculator would show i would be like doa well that's what happened guys yeah Um, all my models got destroyed <laughs> oh, yes. Same with you, my man. Same with you. But then I, I will say, like, 
having that healthy margin, not like, you know, okay. So two, two quick points I I'd like to make, which one is having a very healthy mo model uh, margin on the capital expenditure going in with consistent all in energy. It's kind of like having a 30 year fixed mortgage at the end of the day, even if your uh, price of your home decreases so much, as long as you're able to continue to make that money to, to, to pay off that debt load, uh, is key. So in my opinion, always having that fixed all in is at least for my mental stability is having that. I don't like to, I have enough variability in the total exahash and the, the, the price of Bitcoin. The last freaking thing I need is variability in my freaking price of how much it's going to cost me to mine Bitcoin to those people. God bless. Good luck. Um, and then I was going to make a second point, but I was just rambling there. Uh, it'll, it'll, it'll come to me. Well, you know, the, the reason my models all got destroyed is because I thought, you know, my wife and I had just moved out to the country and we're like, oh, we'll go get one of those like rural commercial <laughs> rates and set up a shipping container and get a 400 amp service to it. And and I did that because I was looking at the utility company's tariffs and I thought I understood the tariff well enough that I was going to be I thought I was going to be getting five cent electricity, five cents per kilowatt hour. No, when I got once, like, you know, seven months later, I get the shipping container set up. I have the utility company install a tele, a new, a new pole and a 75 KVA transformer. And I've got 400 amp dedicated service. And I got that first bill and it turns out I was paying 13 cents per kilowatt hour. And, you know, the price of Bitcoin just kept going down and hash rate and my, the rewards I was getting kept getting smaller because hash rate kept going up and, that's I dude, I just had to pull the plug and put the brakes on everything and try and like get a new lay of the land and, and figure out yeah. what I was going to do in this new environment because it, you know, I, I feel like I, I had my head down and my nose to the grindstone I was building. And then like, yeah. by the time I looked back up, it was just, I was in a completely different place. And so in eco, like, first of all, we're in it every single day, especially mining. And like we're privy to the should be privy to the most information uh, possible. And yet we both got a lot of things wrong here and there because of a lot of externalities that were outside of our control. But we made uh, assumptions based on the existing information. And so that's like one thing I would echo, uh, which was kind of like my second point around uh, uh, invest investing on like the ASIC side. If you can, do not take any debt or leverage. Like this is not a, I mean, to each their own. Like some people are probably smarter or definitely smarter than me. But imagine if you leveraged this up, levered it up on ASICs, on the, the, the collateralized with ASICs or collateralized with your Bitcoin. Like you use your Bitcoin and you're like, dang, you're going to always have that taste in your mouth of I'm making it up. But let's say 1 million sats and you're now making, you may be lucky to make 100,000 sats. And you're like, Damn, I'm not going to ever forget that taste where these other guys were like thousands of Bitcoin levered and they just got liquidated because they couldn't, you know, top up uh, the margin call that they were going to get. And they're just like absolutely eviscerated. Yeah. So the name of the game is survival and accumulating more Bitcoin. If you cannot do both of those, just spot buy Bitcoin, build a family, get a good job. And this is like straight up advice. I, I, I think I would give to anyone and live a happy life because this is not for the faint of heart. Yeah. And, and just understand once you buy that ASIC, like that, 
that machine, sorry, I, I just had a, uh, I was just, I just remembered like back at the conference, they didn't want us using the term ASIC to describe the <laughs> computer that's, <Yeah. laughs> that's running the, the Bitcoin. But I think everyone knows what I mean. Like once you buy that machine, like that's all it does is that SHA-256 hashing algorithm. Like it, it can't tell you two plus two, you're not going to use this yeah. thing for anything else other than mining Bitcoin. And so once you spend your money, whether that's fiat or or Bitcoin, once you spend that on this computer, this machine, like that's all you can do with it. And it becomes, it's not like you can just open up Cash App and sell it <laughs> and, and be done with it, you know? So it's not liquid like it is with Bitcoin and, you know, having Bitcoin directly. Um, so just be aware of that. Like if you get this and you're not running Bitcoin with it, it's a literal paperweight. There's nothing else you can that, do with it. You took you took exactly what the second use case. It's the most expensive paperweight you've ever purchased in your life. <laughs> yeah. And it, when you see that paperweight on your desk every day, you're just going to be pissed off every single day. Yeah. Um, so one hopefully point, you can use the heat. Yeah, seriously. Uh, one point and then we could go on to the next, which is, and I do recommend anyone search in your uh, podcast app, uh, favorite podcasting app, and search Bitcoin Park, and then search for the Ho Mining uh, panel that Eco was on. Um, uh, people in the audience chuckled when he said this, but he was like, "No, I'm dead serious. You're gonna if you're gonna do home mining at scale and like get a commercial rate contract. There's like a what you, I think you mentioned a 200 to 300 page tariff uh, document. Yeah, you're like." read through that entire document mm -hmm. and ask questions and people start chuckling. They're like, no, 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 do that. And if you don't do that, don't do the deal. Yeah. Yeah. And dude, I had, I was waiting seven months for my utility company to install that transformer. And I, <laughs> dude, I had seven months to sit there and read through this document and I checked and double checked and triple checked. And I, I conversed with Bitcoin Baseload and other home miners and even people in the Telegram chat were like, dude, there's no way you're getting five cent power. And I'm like, look, here's my document. Yes, I yeah. am. And they were like, dude, you live in a unicorn jurisdiction. What can we say? And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm fucking killing the game right now. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know if I should cuss on this podcast. It, it's all good. But um, but I was like, yeah, I'm I'm like my dreams are coming true. Like this is all going to be great. And then, dude, I was not laughing or smiling. I my dreams turned into a nightmare when I got that first power bill. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just dude, I I thought I understood it really well. And I had a long time to to look it over and double check myself. And I still got it wrong. So, yep, be careful. Be careful. That's for sure. But all right. Last all last. Go ahead. I'm just, I was just going to say all that information's there. Like you go on your utility company's website, it's all there. It's just, yeah. it's a lot of information and it, it's difficult to like parse through it and understand it. There's a reason why this is proof of work. You know, you got to just do the freaking work, don't do the work again and again, and also still get lucky. Yeah. Um, let's bring up the hash value from brains insights. Got it. So yeah, the hash value, which is the number of sats per terahash per day you can earn with your ASIC, uh, just took a large hit during that last difficulty adjustment, which went up 10%. So difficulty went up and then the hash value dropped from 374 sats per terahash per day to 338 sats per terahash per day. 
And so that's, that's what I mean. Like when the difficulty goes up, the amount of rewards you're earning goes down. And then the hash price, which is like the dollar conversion. So how many cents per terahash per day you can earn. Um, right now it's, you know, gone up a little bit with the Bitcoin price bump. So um, prior to that, so we're looking at like, you know, around January 6th, the hash price was at 0.06 dollars per terahash per day. And then when the Bitcoin price went up, that went to 7.8 cents per terahash per day. And right now it's hovering around uh, 7 cents per terahash per day. So yeah, you would take however many terahash your ASIC produces and then multiply that by the number of sats uh, for the hash value or the number of cents for the hash price. And then that'll tell you about what you can expect to earn daily. Man, this number also going down over time is just such a kick in the freaking nuts. Um, but it is what it is. And, and you know, basically another way to like extrapolate this information is like if you're running a Antminer S9 and you're paying more than three cents per kilowatt hour, you're going to be operating at a loss. Or if you're running like the most efficient ASIC on the market, which is the Antminer S19 XP, which I think does like 141 terahash at like 25 or 28 joules per terahash efficiency. Yep. Uh, so even with that, if you're paying more than 14 cents per kilowatt hour, uh, then you're going to be operating at a loss currently. And, you know, maybe that's okay for like a little while. Maybe you can afford, you've got some discretionary income. You can afford yeah. to take a little bit of a loss, but, you know, eventually this stuff is going to catch up with you. And I think the U.S. national average electricity price is 13 cents per kilowatt hour. So I think the vast majority of people are going to be paying around this much so yeah that's that's how that equates great stuff man well that was really fun to go through the state of the network uh with you uh let me how, how far how long have we been ripping for uh i've got a good 15 more minutes cool rock on so let's let's go through uh maybe highlight a couple of these uh news items and then maybe riff and then we'll call it a day cool um, so maybe I'll kick it off, uh, eco. And, uh, one of the cool things, uh, and Troy cross actually created a, a nice tweet thread, uh, about in general, about the essence of the summit, um, you know, mining being a brotherhood miners being honest about their mistakes. They're very gracious and civil and disagreement. And it was a very man in the arena, um, uh, versus like think boy ta takes. Um, um, one also thing he mentioned was like the, people in the audience like even though there was like you know actual like miners that were doing the grunt work you know coming in their timberlands and there's you know right like the way they looked versus the policymakers in their suits and they're like little lapels and you know whatever everyone was able to talk with each other and have that common denominator around bitcoin and and have that curiosity around bitcoin mining um so for our first thing it's interesting because it was really cool to see the number of policy folks wanting to just be there in attendance and learn and meet people rather than the 90% that reach out to me to say, Hey, can I come to your meetup and talk and explain, you know, why I'm running for office? And it's like, mm, 
yeah. typically don't respond or I just say, hey, I think it's the wrong meetup. There's like a crypto meetup that you want to go and check out uh, down the road. Um, but on the policy side, you know, and this is a, maybe like a, a month ago or so, but it's still like uh, very relevant for today. If you want to shed maybe your two sats on Elizabeth Warren um, and what she introduced and how that how Bitcoin miners should be thinking about this. Yeah. So recently, Elizabeth Warren introduced a bill. Um, now, whether this becomes law or not, probably very unlikely to ever become law. But I think it does offer some insight as to like what the you know, where her and her colleagues headspace is at and what they're thinking and kind of like what their trajectory is. Um, but this bill uh, is called the Digital Asset Anti-Money Laundering Act of 2022. And so um, I think this was kind of like a I think a lot of the the motives here to push something like this forward have been at play for a long time. But I think like the FTX collapse um, kind of this was kind of like a I don't want to say knee jerk reaction, but I think like the timing of this was kind of in response to like what happened with FTX. And it's like, oh, my God, all these people got completely wrecked and we're going to save the day with new policies and and here's a bill that I'm introducing to to make that reality. I am your hero. I'll bow to Elizabeth Warren. Um, but what, what what really concerned me about this, um, I shouldn't say concern. What jumped out at me about this and why I think it's important to to miners, because this this will really give you an idea of like what what they're after at the end of the day. Uh, I'm trying to remember what section it was in, but basically she says that uh, miners are going to be considered money services businesses, yeah. which which means that they're going to have to comply with uh, FinCEN, KYC, AML regulations. And let's see, she's defining some terms here, digital asset rulemakings, implementation of the proposed rule. I'm While you're going through that, Eco, yeah, go ahead. basically the, the, the TLDR in general for me, at least, especially on the policy side, is putting these swaths of regulation in the, the face of like, we're going to save the average Joe consumer actually prevents the average Joe consumer from participating in a free market enterprise uh, uh, and learning and, and participating in that. Like more regulation is not the answer to this. It's uh, in my, for my own uh, two sats. And to your point, which you alluded to, like, which is spot on, this seems like a knee-jerk reaction to increase the control of the centralized government or state apparatus uh, very quickly, um, which we should be very uh, cognizant of wherever you live. And then the one last point I'll make is where you live is very, very important. We actually... One of the meetup pan, uh, panels before the summit was uh, to host or not to host. That is a question. And we had uh, hosted miners, uh, hosted mining companies on the panel, and then uh, distributed hosting mining companies, and then home miners all, all there. Like, you know, you and I were joking, like, you know, uh, Russia's got two cents uh, cost per kilowatt. It seems like a good deal, or in Kazakhstan. Uh, 
I put Russia, Kazakhstan, Illinois, and New York all in the same bucket of places where I would absolutely not mine Bitcoin, even if you gave me the most sweetheart energy deal, because I just don't enjoy being rug pulled. And there's a high probability of being rug pulled in all four of those jurisdictions. Yeah. And, you know, for like businesses trying to operate a business, you know, they're kind of held hostage in that situation. Like, what are you, what options do you have? You know, but when it when it comes to like an individual, like then, you know, this and this is where I, I use this analogy that I picked up at a guns and Bitcoin conference from Ragnar. It's like there's this pendulum that swings and it's like one day everything you're doing is perfectly legal and there's no problem yeah. with it. And then overnight that pendulum swings and suddenly what you're doing, which has been no problem, is now illegal. And now you're being called a criminal for it. And now there's grounds to to try to prosecute you and and, you know, discredit you, turn you into a criminal or call you a criminal, demonize you. And so, you know, and this is kind of what I think is happening here. So in I just want to read the exact language. So in, in Section three, digital asset rulemakings. Uh, paragraph A, money service business designation. The Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, FinCEN, shall promulgate a rule classifying custodial and unhosted wallet providers, cryptocurrency miners, validators, or other nodes who may act to validate or secure third-party transactions, independent network participants, including um, maximum extractable value, uh, searchers and other validators with control over network protocols as money service businesses. Okay. So that's basically like anyone who touches anything having to do with the network, whether you're running a node or mining, but this includes miners explicitly includes miners. And so if they're going to try and in categorize you as a money services business, you know, basically you're going to fall into one of a few different categories. You're either going to be like an exchange, a broker, or a money transmitter. And then depending on how they look at you, uh, you may also have like state level requirements that you have to then fulfill. And that could be like, you need to put up a surety bond with your state and you have to have a license to operate in your state. And so that's all separate from like the federal requirements. And so if you're a money service business under these federal requirements, then they're also going to make you comply with the FinCEN, uh, KYC, know your customer regulations and the AML anti-money laundering regulations. And that's, it's going to be impossible for a lot of these market participants that are explicitly stated in this document to be able to comply totally with this high bar that FinCEN has. So, you know, basically there's going to be a, a gun to your head, like, like comply with, with all of these regulations. And you're like, well, I can't, then you're either going to not operate or only criminals are going to be mining Bitcoin at that point. So, yep. I mean, I think it'll be a little bit of both, but. Uh, I agree. And that's where, you know, I, I hate even entertain entertaining this stuff. But I am very thankful for folks at like the Bitcoin Policy Institute, like David, shout out to David and Grant and those guys um, and a number of other folks that know how to speak that language, dress that like, you know, talk that whole world and, and be in that whole world and advocate for proof of work uh, Bitcoin mining um, because we do need it's a. Yes, there's some people that are like, you know what, F it, I'm just going to do it on their own more power to you. 
But for me on the business side, my family side, my, my, for my, all my home miners, I want to continue to do it in a very like community friendly and state friendly way. Like this just makes too much sense for them just to come over the top. So whatever we can do to help educate across the board, as well as, you know, provide the right um, guidance on what the right policies and reducing the regulation side, I'm very much in the reduction of not in increasing or providing better regulation um, folks. So there's going to be a lot more to come um, on that front. I, uh, I think. Yeah. And, and you're all, and another like slippery slope is that you're seeing utility companies uh, globally. Now I know I, I just heard from a friend that there's one in Portugal and there were headlines recently of one in uh, Washington state. There was a utility company that was designating uh, different electrical rates if you were going to be mining Bitcoin with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they're doing that in, in Portugal now as well. And so, like, that's the other slippery slope here is like, what, you know, even if you're if you're trying to be friendly and like work with the the regulations that are that are coming down the pike like you never know how that information is going to get leveraged against you and once you like volunteer that information and say like yeah i'm mining bitcoin with my electricity yeah. man you you know you could get hit on the other side with by the utility company saying well you know we know you're mining bitcoin so we're going to charge you double your totally. electricity rate so it's just man there's just a million ways you can get stuff I mean, out there you're, you're, you're da- if, if sometimes it feels eco like you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't i will say this like continuing to be in the most uh as your own most ethical you know right way and continuing to go about your life i think good things will happen uh, that's just my own two sets um dude we've been just ripping like maybe we'll do one other news segment and we'll save a couple for next week as we continue to refine this but i can talk to you for like hours upon hours but we we decided to make this an hour-long show um so let me maybe out of our list here eco what's one that you want to just jump into oh let me take a look here how about um let's let's touch on intel Ooh, that's a good one so the the bitcoin magazine headline was just in first miners built with intel's new bitcoin mining chip go online in canada um so the reason i want to touch on this is because you had a very special guest at the summit yep do you yeah yeah. it's the the recording is not going to be published but we had somebody uh from intel from the block scale team I was very kind to, you know, share some of his insights uh, with a room that was just ex- packed to the gills. Um, and obviously you were there. Yeah. And so it was awesome to hear him give his perspective. You know, one of the one of the interesting things about uh, Intel getting into the Bitcoin mining arena is that, you know, in this case, according to Bitcoin magazine, they Intel is working with Hive uh, to get these these first miners online. And Hive has, um, you know, if anyone's familiar with Hive, they're more of like a green energy focused uh, Bitcoin mining company. And so it's interesting to see um, them 
either stepping up or being selected yep. as the the first miner to give these chips a run. And, um, you know, that makes me curious about like, who's going to be next and, you know, how much market penetration there actually is going to be with these Intel chips. And if green energy policies are going to be, uh, 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 uh factoring into Intel working with Bitcoin miners. Totally. And my, my big takeaway from not only this article and just in general uh, with that panel at a high level is I'm very thankful that there's more competition amongst these the ASIC chip manufacturers. From like We need more competition with MicroBT and Bitmain and those folks. And we need more um, creativity or ingenuity um, you know, from other folks building their own uh, miners um, out there. So... I'm very, very excited over uh, similar to the on the home mining front to see what people create um, uh, in in their own home mining environments. I'm really excited to see um, how the, the ASIC competition uh, unfold. Yeah, and you know, I I do think at some point there are going to be commercial products, you know, consumer level products that you can buy and integrate and. Um, you know, if Intel is is helping push that forward, you know, I think the more hash rate we have in the hands of the many is a, a good thing. Yep. So. That's awesome. Um, buddy, maybe we just like end here and just leave, leave a tease for everybody else and, and, and myself included, because I have like undoubtedly whenever I talk to you, it's like now I want to ask you like 20 more questions on home mining mining bitcoin life uh and so on but uh maybe we'll, we'll leave something for next week that sounds good i think this is a good place to wrap it up so this this felt like a great collaboration and i'm glad we're finally kicking it off with the first episode so i'm looking forward to next week totally i think we and maybe it may be going like a little bit too fast but maybe we bring in next week or definitely the week after we'll bring in a, a friend on a, on a topical um on a topic that they want to want to riff on that'd, that'd be, be awesome cool buddy thanks Eco. thanks rod